The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. That's a great way to start the show. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. Hope nobody's in a funk this morning. Great advice from Jeff Healy. Let it all go. We should all do that, right? All right. Two special guests up this morning. First up, Pamela Justo Sorels. She is the founder of Pamela's Products. Very excited to have her on the show this morning. And uh, let's see. We're going to start off with her. And later on, we're going to have James Wilder joining us. So let's kick things off by bringing Pam on the line. Good morning, Pamela. Hi, Janine. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for taking the time to call in. You are one busy lady. (laughs) (laughs) I am. That's true. To say the least. (laughs) My pleasure. So uh, some people are familiar with Pamela's products. Some are not. So uh, tell me a little bit about how you started this company. Well, I am a third generation in natural foods. My grandparents owned a health food store back in 1940. Because my grandmother was a vegetarian, and she did yoga, and she meditated, and she drank carrot juice, and she had a very, yeah, she had a very very alternative lifestyle. I was going to say, for that time, it seems very unique and hip. Really, really (laughs) unique. Um, My grandmother uh, knew yoga masters, and um, yeah, she just, she was very spiritual, and she loved this alternative lifestyle that she lived, and my, uh, the story goes that my grandfather bought her a health food store. Um, so that she could be around her kind of people, so mm-hmm. people that, you know, live the lifestyle that she lived. So in the back of the natural food store, there was a little bakery, and there had been an allergen doctor named Dr. Brace who had actually made up five gluten-free recipes back in 1940, as hard as that is to believe. Uh, and these were three uh, gluten-free breads. They looked like bricks. Um, <laughs> one, they they were pretty, pretty awful. One was... Um, they were lima bean bread and soy potato bread and little mm. rice bread, and they weren't sliced. They literally were like little bricks made in pans, and then they also had rice and soy cookies. How people so, ate those little bricks, I have no idea. <laughs> I, you know, For years, I remember when I worked in the bakery uh, in the 80s, and people would call and say, so is it sliced bread? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how you're supposed to make a sandwich with this, but it was a bread-type product, let's put it that way. Okay. So 40 years later, uh, we had sold a natural food store, and we had become a wholesale natural food bakery and flour mill, that kind of thing. And I was a cookie packer for my dad, wrapping those rice and soy cookies. So I know, crazy. So 40 years later, nobody had bothered with these recipes. They were just making those same recipes over and over and over again. Um, No one in my family is celiac. We don't have a problem with gluten. Um, And they would just happen to be there because of the alternative lifestyle. I see. So I used to say to my dad, who eats this stuff? This is like really <laughs> awful. But it was just kind of let, let those be, people be happy there's something on the market for them because there's so few of them. Of course. Like one person here, one person there. Yeah. So this was in the um, very early 80s. At the time, gluten intolerance was supposed to affect about one in every 7,000 people. 
of course, those numbers are, you know, Huge, much yeah. different today. Yeah, about yeah. one in every hundred um, people uh, have gluten intolerance. So I, I felt so bad for the poor kids that had to eat these gluten-free products. Mm-hmm. Because I was the kid who grew up having to eat carob chip cookies and the brown bread when I went to school. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I understand, you know, that was health food of the yeah. 1970s. Right. Um, so I understood what it was like to have a food stigma, to be that kid with the weirdo food at school. Mm-hmm. So now imagine you add gluten-free to that, and it's, you know no oh. one's ever going to share your food exactly. with you. Exactly, let alone be friends with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, because you have those weird soy cookies. Right. So for me, it was a little challenge. I was wondering if I could make something that tasted really good and was still gluten-free and could fool my father because mm-hmm. he was a baker. My father was very involved in food. He loved food, and from my earliest memories um, of eating with my father were were of him critiquing everything that went into our mouth. He would smell the food, he would taste the food, he would always comment on the food. So right. ironically, that ended up being my upbringing. So um, in 1988, I actually started Pamela's Products. I knew all of the natural food stores because I worked um, after my cookie packing stint, I went into the office. Mm-hmm. And then those were in the days before computers where we actually called all the stores in the area and asked them if they wanted an order. Okay. So I knew that if I could make something that actually tasted good, I could just call all these people that owned all these little health food stores and say, you know, I have these cookies. Would you like to buy some? Right. But that was kind of my in. And this is the early 80s, so a very different time. The natural food stores were about 500 square feet, 1,000 square feet. There were no large chains like Whole Foods and Sprouts. So um, the times were very, very different. So I went down to my very first natural food store in Anaheim, and this was actually now 1989 in April. Okay. And I, there I was with my little table of cookies, and all the store owners in those days would come and they would place orders. So people would taste my product, and they really liked them, and they said, oh, you know, these are really great, these are great. I'm like, oh, they're gluten-free too. Nobody cared. Why, why don't I want glutton? What's glutton-free? <laughs> what, you know, why are you making these? They just taste really good. So uh, and I got a phone call from one of the big distributors, Nature's Best, and wow. there was a chain of stores called Mrs. Gooch's in that time. And Sandy Gooch had revolutionized how we shop for food. She wanted antibiotic-free chickens. She wanted um, clean ingredients. Mm-hmm. Uh, her motto was no chocolate, no sugar, no coffee, um, and no white flour in any of the foods that were in her store for sale. Mm-hmm. So all of my products fit those criteria, mm-hmm. and Sandy Gooch wanted my product. And so that was my first sin was um, 25 cases of product was my first order. And from then, it's magically it kind of happened that a store would hear that Sandy Gooch had my products and so they wanted my products and another distributor would find out that Nature's Best was carrying my products and so they would they would buy my and products. And on and on and the word spread. And the word spread and so we I grew the business from the from the late 80s as a company that sold food that really tasted great mm-hmm. and it was also gluten-free. Right. And that was um, just a side note for people because they just appreciate the flavor. Yes. So today, this many years later, it's almost 27 years, um, our pancake mix is the top-selling pancake mix in the natural food industry. Even though it's a gluten-free product, it beats out the wheat products 
and all the other gluten-free pancake mixes. So I think that's a real testament to the, the concept of making a food that actually tastes great, that truly everybody can eat and enjoy. Yes. And if you have a gluten intolerant, it's also great for you. And if, you, if you're not, like I'm sensitive to gluten, so, you know, mm-hmm. it, they're just, they're, they're good and they're good for you. And it's, it kind of opens up a whole world of things you never would have thought to consider. Right. Well, my argument has always been, if you eat potatoes or you eat rice, does that mean you're celiac? No, it just means that you like potatoes or you like rice. Yes. And it, the same can be true of foods that are gluten-free, mm-hmm. um, that, are, that are foods that are made with a flour base, I mean, because clearly apples are gluten-free and yes. chicken is gluten-free. So if you're talking about um, something that would be a starch food or a carbohydrate food, such as bread or cookies, pie crust, that kind of thing, if it's made gluten-free but it tastes great, who cares? That's yes. kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, and so because I also eat wheat every day, when I, try and, when I develop my products, I try and make them so that they taste as great as or better than the wheat counterpart. Yes. There's, there's a lot of horrible food in this world that's made with wheat. Yes, um, but I true. think if you're celiac or gluten intolerant, you, you kind of feel like, oh, you can't have anything in a lot of cases. Right. And the, the truth is not, not everything tastes great to someone who can eat wheat. So I just want the best product possible. I want it yes. um, mimicking the, the texture of wheat and the taste of wheat yes. um, so that you're getting truly a nice dining experience and that you're emotionally satisfied when you eat. No, that's really important. How does it feel to to be honoring... I, I, from my perspective, the legacy of your grandmother. You know, it's really it's really awesome to be a third generation and to you know the, you know the old story is the first generation mm-hmm. uh, starts the business and the second generation builds up the business and the third generation usually runs it into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> in the in the case of um, my family, the Justo family, uh, my little brother and I have both gone on, we have left the family business and have gone on to create even a um, larger company than our dad's company was. Mm-hmm. So my, my little brother, ironically, has uh, wheat flour mills and oh. um, is, a, is a great artisan baker. And I went into the, the realm of gluten-free. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fourth generation coming up has the same drive and um, they just we the passion for doing the same thing, and they have really great palates. So I'm very excited to even see what the fourth generation is going to do. Okay. So many of us in our family are all bakers. We're all we just love, love, love baking, and we love the industry. And so um, I'm very excited to see what happens with the next generation. That's really wonderful. I mean, mm-hmm. how you all have this similar interest. Now, every year you go to the Anaheim Natural Products Expo West. What is, what is that like? Is it getting bigger and bigger every year? It looks like a monster expo to me. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, so many years. It was my 27th year this year of going. Um, yeah, it's now about like 70 or 80,000 people. Uh, I think we've outgrown the convention center in Anaheim now to where they've also have tables in the adjoining hotels. Um, Amazing. I'll tell you back in, in 89, in my very first show, the people that were showing there were the ones who had started their businesses. Mm-hmm. So people like me, people um, from Amy's Frozen Foods, Andy and Rachel were there, um, Jim Rosen, who started Fantastic Foods, um, Barbara's Bakery, all the people that, 
you know, we're actually behind the brands. We're behind the tables. And these are the people that were creative and wanted to do this from the heart. Natural foods back in the 80s was not going to be the next hurrah. No one looked to natural foods as being um, a moneymaker or selling out to corporations or any of that. If you were in natural foods, you did it because you loved it. You did it because you were passionate, because these were your beliefs, and you wanted to do something that was better than what's on the market already in conventional grocery. So you have a lot of really unique characters. Um, The people were wonderful. It was not a corporate environment at all. And so you, you did things on your own terms. And packaging was the way you wanted it to be. And there wasn't necessarily a certain look um, like there is much more in in um, regular grocery. You know, things tend to conform to a certain look and standard. Sure. Sure. So uh, it was really fun. Today, it's very different. You've all heard the stories of all the companies that are selling to these large corporations. Yes. Annie is the latest that was just sold, mm-hmm. um, Annie's Macaroni and Cheese. Um so we're seeing many, many more corporations coming in, definitely the big names like General Mills and Kellogg's and Kraft. And yes. um, it's um, different. It's scary mm-hmm. on one level. I would think so. It, yeah. No, go ahead. I was saying I would think it, it would be scary, you know, somebody it, wanting to take over. Yeah, because, um, you know, obviously these are humongous companies with very deep pockets. Mm-hmm. Um and at the same time, it shows you that there's so much opportunity. You, you can go hide or you can address it and say, wow, I mean, people really want this product. This industry is really growing. The big guns are now involved in it. And so um, I look at this as really a great opportunity for still being able to put out what I want. I still own my company 100%. Mm-hmm. And I can do what I want. I can put out the kind of foods that I want. They're at my quality and my standard. And um, I'm solid enough of a company. I've been around long enough time that I can that I know what the game is and I know how yes. to play it, yes. I think. Yeah. And it, it still allows me to do what I want to do for my, my customer base. I think that's great. Um, yeah. Tell me something. The theme of the show is get the funk out. I know who hasn't been in a funk. And Ah. life is a crazy roller coaster ride. So do you have some advice for people or if you have gone through something, a period of your in your career building this business where, you know, you were going through this bump in the road and you thought, oh, man, how am I going to get out? Uh, Oh, yes. There were periods where um, very early on when there was never enough money and never enough time and never enough employees. Um, I, I literally remember seeing a street sweeper once sitting at my desk crying, thinking oh. I would take that job in a second oh. just to not have to be responsible for everything. Yes. And it can be really daunting. I, I will tell you that um, the thing that has made it so much better for me um, was having met really incredible people that I've hired that have... Um, helped me so much with my business through the years you meet wonderful people and then you meet people that take advantage of you and it's really learning to decipher which ones are good for you and which ones aren't and when you surround yourself with really wonderful people who are intelligent um, self-starters people who want the best for you that are loyal to you um, 
you know, I can't possibly know it all and do it all. And right. to surround myself with people that are that are really um, kind of partners in crime for me, so to speak. Yes. They they support me, they're there for me, and they do their tasks so much better than I could do them. Because right. in the early years, you do everything, and you can't be great at everything. Yes. So I, w- I would say that that has made it the best for me is to feel like I'm handling all the different aspects of the business the best that I can because I've brought really good people in to do that for me instead of me floundering through it. Um, I call myself a seat-of-the-pants baker because I've never been formally trained in it. You're kidding. Really? Never was formally trained in it. I just have parents that were, you know, they're great cooks. Mm -hmm. And when you grow up critiquing everything that goes into your mouth, you start to figure out what tastes good and what doesn't taste good and how you would fix it. Yes. So it's kind of funny, my education from um from being a young child. So um, that I, you know, I think entrepreneurs tend to, you know, take on everything. What do we know about bookkeeping? I, I wanted to be an actress. I didn't you, want you did? to be a bookkeeper. <laughs> you know, my big thing was I was going to win an Academy Award someday. <laughs> so, you never know. <laughs> so, yeah, so clearly I wasn't spending time, you know, in accounting classes yeah. and finance classes and marketing classes. Um, everything I've learned has really been by observation and learning from people around me. Because mm-hmm. I certainly know I don't know it all, and um, and I love that people are willing to share in their information. Um, I've acquired a lot of really great friends, and I will say the natural food industry from the the uh, late eighties. I have so many wonderful friends from this industry that are very helpful. They're kind of like brothers and sisters for me. That's so nice. Um, and they've made this this ride uh, so much more enjoyable because you always have someone to to call right. that can that you can lean on. I have to uh, interrupt one second. I noticed, for instance, Bob of uh, Bob's Red Mill. You know, everybody mm-hmm. is so warm and they're all hugging each other. And I do get this sense of um, you know that it's become this family kind of that has grown over the years. Well, that's that's absolutely true. And and people like Bob care about his company and his mm-hmm. employees. They're families. These are people that you spend a lot of time with. And I like to, you know, I mean, they're family members to me. We're all team players. Um, That's so nice. And I think that that is the way to run a business. I'm not from the corporate world. I'm a blue-collar kid. Uh, Whatever job needed to be done was the job that you did. So I'm not used to the hierarchy of corporations where, you know, this person tells that person what to do and that person tells the next person what sure, to do. Sure. I, I grew up where if the floor needed to be swept, you just swept it. You just do it. Right. <laughs> it makes a lot more sense. And it's like a family in that aspect. Everyone has chores and it has it has to get done. So. And now you just came back from Vegas, um, a work gig, I have to say, you know, and uh, it was an interesting event. Tell me about it. Yeah, that was the International Pizza Show. So this was really interesting because, you know, natural foods is natural foods, and, mm-hmm. and you know, we're it's the same players all the time, and it's the same companies that I'm used to, and it's, we talk about going into retail, you know, it's having a product that's sold retail in stores. So the International Pizza Show is actually for pizza owners. They go, and there are people from all over the world that go there, and they have competitions for the best pizzas. Oh, I love And it. this is wheat, and it's also gluten-free. And mm-hmm. I've gone, this is about my fourth or fifth year of going. And 
uh, I have noticed the amount of gluten-free keeps growing. So there's more and more companies now showing a gluten-free pizza. So the pizza owners go around and they mm-hmm. taste your pizza or whatever it is that you're selling. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually there making pizzas um, to show these pizza owners how to get a really great artisan pizza using my pizza mix. Okay. Um, my brother's company is also there. They have deck ovens with them. My nephew was baking his um, pizzas that he's making that were whole wheat. And they had a, a separate deck oven for me so that I could do actual gluten-free pizzas and bake them right there on the spot in the middle of the convention center. I'm getting hungry, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so it was Go great. Ahead. Well, I was making, this is like the, uh, I guess the fourth year in a row that I've been doing this. And every year the pizza owners kept telling me that I have the best tasting gluten-free pizza there at the show. Okay. And I'm like, that's great. Here, now I want you to go and do it in your pizzeria. Okay. So a, a man comes up to me, um, and he's from Sweden, and he said, I'm from Sweden, and for about four years I've been making gluten-free pizzas there, and I get interviewed all the time on television and radio for my gluten-free pizza, but I'm tasting your pizza, and it's so much better than mine. Wow. And I, know, I was like, really? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I know. And he said that he was entered in the gluten-free competition for pizzas. Um, that was going to be the very next day, and he wanted to know if he could use my pizza crust instead of his, because he had brought everything from Sweden with him, and I was so honored. Of I said, absolutely, yes. I'd be happy to let you use it, so I made him pizza dough that night, and he practiced with it, and I showed him my video that I have on my website, with how-to videos on mm-hmm. you know how to do this, and the next morning, I made up dough for them, and he entered, so it was there were 20 um, entries for gluten-free pizzas. So it's a combination of the pizza crust and what you use on it yes. uh, as well. So from what I understand is that he used ostrich and kiwi and mango. Whoa. Interesting combination. I'll say. Yeah. yeah. Um, he came in sixth place out of, tw- out of 20. Okay. So I thought was pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, it's very interesting, and uh, by the time he left the show, he was asking if he could distribute my pizza mix in Sweden. Look so, at that. So, you know, it's a, it was a great show. Uh, the one thing I have to say that I found this year that I have not seen in past years is that in the past, the chefs, have, their answer was, yeah, that gluten-free thing, I need to do something about that. that yeah, what that do you thing. have? I just want something I can offer. Uh. And we've... We, I know. We've been telling them for years, no, it can't just be something. It has to be something great. You yes. can do an artisan pizza. You need to give people a fine dining experience. Right. They need to be emotionally satisfied. Yes. So this year was the first year that chef said to me, no, I want your pizza. I want a better pizza for my people. I love it. And it was really music to my ears to hear that finally. So the world is coming around. They're understanding it's not just about being able to drag Aunt Millie into the restaurant because they have a gluten-free offering. Right. It's that that gluten-free diner deserves better. They deserve to have a fine dining experience yes. and that the chef wants to supply that for them. Yes. Yes. So I was that was really thrilling to hear after so many years of having that message, please give better, please, please, please make better for them. You can do it. It might be a little more work, but, but it's going to pay off. And, um, that was the exciting answer to this show was that we think that the industry has really moved up a notch. Now you're going to be a rock star in Sweden. You're going to have to go to Sweden. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> An opportunity to travel. I yes. think it's great. Not that you have anything else on your plate. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, just developing the next stuff. That's, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any advice for people that are wanting to start a business, uh, you know, and they're kind of floundering? They feel like they have a, a great product, but they, you know, going through some ups and downs? Um, I, I have to say that things are not as easy today as they were in the 80s, mm-hmm. especially if you're talking about, um, you know, the natural food industry. The natural food industry is just like conventional grocery now. It's just as tough to get in. There's lots of requirement. There's lots of money needed. Um, my biggest advice to entrepreneurs is if you don't have a way to put your hands on literally a half a million dollars, Um, I'm worried that you're going to access every credit card you have, borrow money from your parents, and maybe lose your house in the in the prospect. Yeah, good. That's that's the biggest fear for me. Uh, When I started, literally, I could pay my vendor in 90 days. You know, buy flour, buy you know rice flour, or buy butter or something from them. And around the the 90th day, they would get around to calling and say, "Do you think you could?" you know, pay me that invoice. Yeah. Today, things are cash up front. Um, you have to have huge credit references. Um, COD is a big deal or 10 or 20 days net terms mm-hmm. to pay, which makes it hard when you're trying to create a market. So the biggest advice I have is you 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 just can't start on $5,000 in a credit card like I did yes. in 88. Um so having money available to you and really knowing your costs. Mm-hmm. It's not enough to just have a really great recipe. A million people have a great recipe. So the true. secret is being able to make it cost effectively and to sell it. And if you don't sell it, you're, you know, it's never going to leave the warehouse. Right. So you have to be able to wear so many hats in the beginning. You have to know numbers, so you need financing a bit, you know, ability. You need to know marketing ability. You need to be a really good cook, a a baker, um, so that you're putting out a product where the taste is worthy Mm -hmm. um, instead of just tasting like every other product that's on the market. Yes. Great advice. So, yeah. Great advice. Now, if people want to find out more about you, where should they go? So we have a great website, Mm -hmm. PamelasProducts.com, where it shows you all of our products and complete ingredient listings and nutritionals, as well as we've got lots and lots of recipes. As you know, we have um, cookies and baking mixes and bars. We have our figgies and jammies, which are um, like a Fig Newton that we came out with last year. We just launched in Anaheim this year our new graham crackers, which I'm very excited about, large graham crackers that you can actually make a a full-fledged s'more on and then also minis for snacking. So we've got those and then uh, lots and lots of recipes and then the how-to videos. So so if you have never baked before in your life, you can go on and click on a video. Very easy to make my products. I did not, they're they're not rocket science. I wanted them to be very, very easy. Throw a couple things into a bowl, mix it up and bake it, and it will taste great. So those videos will show you that as well. If you don't like to read directions, watch a video. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to say, as I I love to cook too, but, you know, I always tell my kids, the first time out I made pizza crust years ago, it came out like shoe leather. And you have to learn to be patient, and it's like a chemistry experiment. Well, yes, there there can be a technique, and Mm -hmm. and certainly... um, 
it's important, I think, with gluten-free products that you do follow recipes. Yes. Uh, because the directions, because gluten-free is not as forgiving as wheat is when you're baking with it. Yes. So, and whatever that combination is of flours and thickeners and gums, that kind of thing that help mimic what wheat, what wheat looks like and mm-hmm. tastes like. Mm-hmm. Um, that because it's not as forgiving, there's no elasticity. So it's more important that you do follow the directions that are given for whosoever product that you're making yes. um, because they've put it together so that it works in a certain way. Absolutely. That, that was the one lesson I learned at the pizza show was that people would come and they think they know how to make a pizza. Well, yes, you do with wheat, but when you make it with my pizza mix, which is not wheat, you have to treat it differently, and they refuse to do that. Oh, no. And so they, of course, <laughs> will not get the, they won't get a pizza that looks like mine if they don't follow the, exactly. the teaching method I'm trying to give them. Exactly. So. Well, I want to thank you so much for calling in. This has completely flown by the first half of the show. Again, if people want to find out more about you, it's PamelaSProducts.com. Right. Thanks, Janine. Oh, thanks. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you missed any part of today's show with Pamela Justo Sorrells, it'll be up on my blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine. We're going to be back with actor, architect, designer James Wilder. 